About a year ago, I had a friend who was reaching out to me to try and grab lunch. This is someone that I spent a moderate amount of time with a few years ago because we had some different communities with some overlap, but those communities kind of went away, and so we didn't stay in touch as much because, you know, life happens. I was perusing my schedule and looking for some certain times that I might be able to grab lunch. And there were a few openings in my schedule, but I didn't really want to go. I kept thinking I would much rather get lunch with my brother or one of my old friends that I haven't seen in a while. I was trying to figure out a way to reject his offer, but I felt so horrible about it because here's the thing. He's a great guy. There's nothing wrong with him. I probably would enjoy grabbing lunch with him to some degree, but I just have a limited amount of time these days, and so I'm more selective about how I spend it. So I thought about how I could approach this. I crafted a few text messages out saying why I was a little bit busy and wouldn't be able to grab lunch right now, but that made me think that maybe he would come back and offer some alternative times. There's only so long you can put somebody off for. I considered another option. I'm a fairly direct communicator, and so maybe I could just reject the offer. Just tell him that I don't want to grab lunch, and it has nothing to do with him. But that felt kind of mean, and I didn't like that option. But then I thought of a third option. What if I don't say anything? What if I just don't respond at all? What if I ghost him? Welcome to Relatable, a Thrive Therapy podcast. My name is Lauren Mokeri, and I am joined by my co-hosts, Coulter Bloxham and Kayla Gensler. We are three licensed professional counselors running a therapy community in Phoenix, Arizona called Thrive. We offer individual therapy and pride ourselves on offering additional therapeutic options, including groups, workshops, intensives, and so much more. And this podcast is just an extension of all that, where we go through topics on how to relate better to others, how to relate better to yourself, better to your anxiety, emotions, experiences, and so on. And our topic for today is on ghosting. So I just finished listening to that vignette, Coulter, and I'm noticing so many feelings in my body, um, primarily anxiety-based feelings, I think, just being able to relate to probably both sides of like, going through all of those options of like, oh my gosh, okay, I could do this option, but then here's what's going to feel bad about that. I could do this really direct option, but that feels mean. I could not respond and that feels a little bit better for me maybe, but then I think about what it's like to be on the other side and I'm like, oh, that also feels really bad on the other side. So I'm just kind of sitting with all of that discomfort right now. Yeah. I think all three of us are very used to being sought out by a lot of people for a lot of connections. So. <laughs> that's some sarcasm. It's sarcasm, but I'm also like, I think that's true, though. I think that we we are used to being sought out by a lot of people for connection. Just everyone wants to be your friend? <laughs> yes, I'm a really good friend. And our clients. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You are a good friend. You're the one that put all the refrigerator magnets up. <laughs> that's true. We just discovered that this morning, it sounds yes, like. It's very cute. But I think even before we can get started on, you know, talking through some of the nuancey things that we want to talk through with ghosting, we need to define it. And so for those of you who have not experienced this or haven't heard of this concept of ghosting, ghosting is the abrupt ending of conversation without any explanation, right? So it's things were seemingly- Abrupt ending of conversation? Communication, I guess. 
Yeah. When you said that, I just thought of someone being in the middle of a conversation. <laughs> then you just like turn around and walk away. So. They're like, oh, <laughs> I? <laughs> yeah, I guess communication is a better word. Yeah. Like yeah. there's been a volley back and forth. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden one person it just, just kind of puts the net yeah. down right. and walks away. Yeah, it's yes. gone. Okay. Yes. Maybe we should start with, have we, have you guys ever experienced this before? Have you been ghosted? Um. Okay. So, you know, I think about this term – Typically, I hear it come up in the realm of dating, and my experience with dating has not been, like, super extensive. I have only been in the dating pool for, like, short periods of time. I don't think I I have been ghosted in that context. I think I have in the context of a friendship before, though, where maybe I was trying to maintain contact with somebody and just, like, stopped getting a response, and I think I've been on the other side of that in friendship as well. Yeah. I'm curious, do we need to define ghosting as kind of like, I reach out to this person and they never get back to me? Or could it be something kind of like, I'm like, hey, do you want to get together on Friday? And they're like, sorry, I can't. And they like don't offer any alternative time. And and then like, we don't communicate after that. Is that ghosting or is that not ghosting? I would say that's not ghosting. I would okay. say if you give I feel like it's some ghosting kind adjacent, of response. Though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe adjacent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say it's adjacent. So it'd be like you reach out to that person. I agree. I normally hear it in the dating realm, but we're going to talk about it in terms of the in the friendship realm as, as well. well. Mm-hmm. And that's important for us to discuss. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think of if I've ever just gotten that like I reached out and then never heard anything back. If I have, I have clearly blocked it out <laughs> of my memory. <laughs> and I'm like, that's possible too. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, well, I feel like the thing is, I think I've mostly had people who communicated well to me. One thing I'll probably talk about in the podcast is in the dating world, I wasn't always great at reading those cues of like, is she just busy or does she not want to go out with me anymore? So I think I've usually gotten some form of communication about that. I don't know if I've ever gotten the just like complete radio silence, no answer at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys are all know, and I think I've mentioned this on a previous podcast, I dated for quite a while. So I'm certain that I have had several experiences with ghosting. And it actually is more common with online dating. That's something that has really kind of brought this term to the surface because of all of the decision fatigue that people have have to experience through just like constantly, you know, getting new matches and um, going on way more dates than we ever used to back when we weren't dating online. So that actually has come to the surface as a more common thing with the way that technology has come around. And so I'm certain again that I have definitely been ghosted and We'll talk about why, but I don't really feel any feelings towards that right now. <laughs> when you bring it into the context of online dating, I think, yeah, for sure, that's probably happened where I like sent a message to someone. And after there had been some correspondence, that probably needs to be the case. There needs to have been some correspondence. You can't yes. say like, I messaged someone and they never messaged me right. back. They ghosted me. It would be like, there's been some correspondence yes. and then just no correspondence. I'm sure that has definitely happened to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to put the question out there from the get-go here, um, because this is something I hear clients ask a lot, is ghosting ever okay? Are there contexts in which it is okay? What do you guys think? I already know you're going to say it depends. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I mean, and it's obviously everything always depends on like, is this ever okay or, or not okay? I think I'm like, I'm actually fairly close to saying no. I'm not a fan of it 
in any regard. I think maybe it can happen eventually, but I'm always a fan of just like drawing the initial boundary, like giving that communication out one time, unless there's some sort of specific reason to not do that. So maybe we'll we'll get into that a little bit more. I don't know. I'm kind of just processing this in real time. So I think if I had to give a hard and fast answer, like, is it ever okay? So yes, it is okay. You know, but I'd want to know like a lot of the details. To me, it feels pretty rare. Yeah, I second that. I'm I'm a pretty big fan of communicating, even if it's I guess I'm going to even just tell on myself here. I'm certain that I have abruptly cut off communication with people when I was dating. And I I guess like I still always said like, I'm not interested. Thanks. Have a nice life. Block. (laughs) And so- But is that ghosting? That's that's not ghosting. It's not ghosting. It's ghosting because I'm clearly communicating a decision that I made, right? And then I don't need to get a response from that person. I'm So then they ghosted you. (laughs) well we don't know you put the onus on them (laughs) yeah so i mean and i think that's that's why i feel like pretty strongly that even a, a small snippet of communication is appropriate but i know that there are going to be contexts where i feel differently about that and so i feel interested to kind of play around with that a little bit. Lauren's chomping at the bit over there. Tell us why we're wrong. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong, actually. I'm I'm sitting here looking up, kind of thinking about this in terms of window of tolerance, which is my frame for thinking about almost everything. And I think the times where I might feel myself almost like backed into a corner of like, here's why I want to defend that it's okay to ghost. I think those times are almost always times that I'm feeling pushed out of my window where it's like, I just simply don't have the capacity to keep reaching for skills that I have or tools and knowledge that I have. I'm just like feeling so overwhelmed or stressed or maxed out or shut down. And so I think that's maybe the asterisk in my mind of like, are there times when it's okay? I would almost say there's times where it's just going to be inevitable mm-hmm. or it's going to be unavoidable. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the same thing as saying like it's okay and we should just put a stamp of approval on it. I'm curious, can you maybe give some examples of like what is it that would be pushing you out of your window? Is it like that relationship with that person or like the circumstances of your life? That's a great question. The Yeah, the initial example that comes to my mind like of a time that I've experienced myself leaning into the ghosting strategy, which I think of as a really passive strategy. I, I want to just kind of name from the get-go, like I think ghosting is a boundaries issue um, where it's like I'm kind of taking this passive approach um, versus having the energy to organize and articulate and express to somebody, here's what I'm feeling and choosing. Um, so I think like there was a season of my life where I was just so maxed out from every angle. Like I was pregnant and buying a new house and renovating the house and navigating some new roles at my job. And like, there was just so, so much going on. And I remember somebody had been reaching out to me and I, I did initially try to kind of do like, I'm even thinking to that vignette that you named where I initially tried being like, I'm going to like kick the can down the road a little bit. Or then I kind of took the more direct approach of like, I just can't say yes to this in this season. Like I just don't have the bandwidth. But then continuing to be pursued Mm. after already making some attempts, I did hit a wall where I was just like, I just simply cannot 
take time to figure out how to respond to this. Like even the idea of sitting down and taking two to five minutes to try to organize a sentence started making me feel angry because I'm like, I have so many other things that I have to do with my time and energy right now. Yeah. And you feel like I've already done this. That kind of stands out to me is like, I feel like I've already done this. Uh And I don't know, I'm probably getting a little lost in the weeds because even hearing that story, I'm like, is that ghosting? Because it's like, you did try to. And so maybe we don't need to get too wrapped up in the like, is it or isn't it? I mean, I guess it's the like ending conversation abruptly, like not responding. And so maybe it doesn't matter if you've already tried to put a clear tie on it before, because just if you get to that point where you have to pull that card, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, and I think too, that like, I wouldn't say it was maybe a clear tie. You know, I think the thing that I hear on the other side when people are experiencing being ghosted is this sense of like, is this person just done with me? Like, does this person not want to ever have any further contact? I would like to know that. And then being on the side of like, I don't know if I'm just done with this relationship. I know I can't engage in it right now, but I don't necessarily want to say like, hey, I never want to talk to you again, but I don't want to talk to you right now. And so that it feels hard, I think, trying to communicate clearly. And then when the other person pushes back, it's like they're still trying to figure it out. And I maybe don't have the energy to even truly know the answer. Yeah. And I think that what you're describing really well as far as like why people ghost, one of the reasons at least sounds like an energy or an effort, right? Like I just don't have the capacity anymore. I'm I'm overwhelmed or I'm um, just kind of like out of resources or energy to be able to even find the words to organize some of this. So that's maybe some of the, one of the reasons at least that people make this decision to avoid communication, which is really what ghosting is, is avoiding a response. Mm -hmm. What are some other reasons you guys can think of that people will make that decision to ghost besides a low energy capacity? I do think that sometimes it is just from a place of not caring, like not really valuing maybe the communication. And it it might still go back a little bit to like a tolerance thing or a values thing. But I definitely think that if somebody's like, huh, I'm just not interested here, that that could really lack the motivation to like put more intentional communication into a boundary. Yeah. Just in, I don't really value this relationship. This isn't one, something that I want to put energy into. Mm-hmm. And then if you pair that with somebody who's maybe conflict avoidant or avoidant of uncomfortable emotions like guilt, I could see that really easily kind of going to like, "Eh, it's just easier to disconnect, especially maybe in the context of dating apps where it's like, I'm talking to maybe a lot of people and I just lost interest here. And so I'm just kind of moving on. And that's the easier thing for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think another thing that comes up pretty often is um, this this like I don't want to hurt other people's feelings and Coulter used mentioned some of that in the vignette too. It's like I know that I don't want to spend time with this person anymore or at least for right now or I don't want to even have this conversation with them but I also don't want to hurt them or disappoint them so I just don't know what to say and I kind of freeze up and say nothing at all. Yeah, it's kind of a gamble at that point because I was going to say the not saying anything has just as much ability to hurt their feelings. But what if they don't reach out again? You know, then it's like they kind of made the decision for themselves also. So it kind of feels a little bit like a gamble. Like maybe I can do the thing back to the story. Like, hey, sorry. Like it's just a really busy season right now. 
and maybe they never reach out again. So it's like, okay, I got out of that one. I didn't have to tell them I reject your friendship offer. Right. And I think that's such a good point. I, I like looking at it as a gamble because you're right. The reality is like, we don't know how the other person might respond. And there is that little bit of hope that like, maybe they'll just take the hint mm-hmm. that I don't have the energy to give here, that I'm, they're not seeing me continue to invest here. Um, and they'll just kind of take that cue and move on and we'll both be okay versus having to like have a more emotionally distressing conversation that might actually feel worse to the other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, again, that's what makes it passive is like this choice to just pull back or remove myself. And then, and, and sometimes it is, again, coming from a place that's kind and like, hey, I don't, I just don't want to hurt this person and I don't have the tools to be able to communicate this, um, which is actually something that I, find comes up in my experience with clients who are dating is trying to give them the language for how we can get both of those needs met. How do I directly communicate that I'm not interested in a way that hopefully isn't going to hurt the other person and honestly is about me, right? What am I feeling? What am I needing? And being able to almost have like a templative way to Keep that, I think, even in your notes section to use so that you do have a resource to be able to communicate this instead of choosing to ghost so you can try to do something different. You said something interesting there of being able to communicate in a way that isn't going to hurt them, but I think there's something we need to accept that Mm -hmm. is like what I communicate might hurt them. Yep, that's true. And I think in both of those things, there's a really good practice. If we can look at it as a practice, I'm, I'm thinking back even to like our episode on emotional regulation where we talked about like what are different ways to practice increasing our distress tolerance and assertive communication boundaries, like those tend to be hard places for people to tolerate the the risk that I might set a boundary that somebody else has hurt feelings about or angry feelings about. So I think if we can look at it as like, I have this new tool, this new resource that I'm just going to practice using and I'm going to let it be uncomfortable, but for the sake of doing something a little bit more assertive and like anchored in the self versus just taking that default passive approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you're right, Coulter, that we can't avoid hurting other people, that that's, that is one of the risks of being in a relationship is that we might hurt someone. What I like to try to hold on to for myself is I'm going to do everything within my power and my control not to hurt them. And then if they still perceive it as hurt, then that's not my responsibility, right? That's their perception. And so I'm trying to do this in a way that feels at least like I know that I'm doing the best I can, to avoid that hurt. There's also reality that sometimes people are going to feel hurt either way, right? Like if if the truth is that I am not going to choose to keep investing in connection with somebody, it's totally fair for that to feel disappointing to somebody, whether I tell them that directly or whether I try to hope for them to pick it up passively. But that's fair to say like, oh, they wanted something or they had an expectation that didn't line up with what I want or what my expectation is. And I go back to a lot of people I think have heard Brene Brown say, like, clear is kind. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that it's not going to still feel disappointing to somebody, but the likelihood that they're going to feel hurt even if we don't do the assertive thing is something worth calculating in. I don't know if this is a mindset shift or something like that, but I have a friend who owns his own business and 
he has one of those things where you land on his website and you enter in your email to get five tips about whatever. And then he emails you like every day until you decide to (laughs) sign up for his course or work with him or something. And I was like, you know, but aren't people going to get annoyed and then unsubscribe from you? And he said, yeah, that's great. Now I know that person doesn't want to work with me and I can let go of that relationship and I can pursue people who do want to work with me. So that's great information to get. And so I'm thinking about that in terms of like, okay, like this person doesn't want to be my friend. Like this person doesn't want to date me. Like, that's great. I want to be friends with people who want to be friends with me. And so that just means I'm like looking a little bit more right Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. I always think of of that from like an energy perspective, right? I'm no longer putting energy into this person that doesn't want to give it back. And therefore it opens up the opportunity to invest that energy in somebody that does, or maybe potentially would not ghost me. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. Totally. I I even think a little bit about like the pursuer withdrawer kind of energy dynamic where it's like if the exchange of energy is not feeling equal and reciprocal, it actually starts to feel bad for the person who's not putting in as much energy. Like I think about, I'm going back in my head to that example of like, I'm just not having the bandwidth to connect with this friend who was reaching out. And it, it initially really didn't start as like, not wanting to have lunch with this person. Like, this is a cool person. And I think, like you said in the vignette, like, it probably would be nice if we got together. There's just so many other things that I need to prioritize with my time. So initially, I think if the person had just kind of taken my cue of like, I just can't right now, and then potentially circled back in like a year or something when I was in a different season, I might, it would have been at least a year (laughs) for sure. That was a crazy year of my life. But yeah, like, I don't know, maybe if they had circled back later, I would have felt more like, okay, we could touch base again. But the fact that they kept pursuing, that they kept being like, oh, I, you know, want to get together and give you a Christmas gift, or I want to get together and wish you a happy birthday or things that I'm like, now it's feeling really unequal. Like I'm seeing you really try to put in this energy that I'm not giving back to you. And so there's also something that starts to feel weird of like, why are you giving so much energy when you're not getting that back from me? Why are you like obsessed with with me? (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, So you're Regina George. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what, Golder? I think that's part of what starts to feel bad is like, it does start to feel this little bit like, yes, like, please leave me alone. Why are you obsessed with me? And then I'm like, I don't see myself as like somebody that people should be obsessed with. And so it just like starts feeling really uncomfortable and you're kind of cool, but not that cool. Not that cool. (laughs) None of us are. So it it sounds like Lauren, you're talking from the perspective of the person who is ghosting and what the meaning making that comes up for them is, right? So I'm starting to question why the continued outreach is happening. And then you're saying, well, then I start to feel something about that, right? I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling guilty. I'm feeling confused about why this person continues to reach out. And and I'm trying to then get out of that maybe feeling. Does that feel accurate? Yeah. I think getting out of the the feeling of, there's definitely a feeling of guilt, mm-hmm. right? That it's inequitable because yeah. I actually really value reciprocity yeah. in my friendships. Uh-huh. So when I'm not able to give that back and then somebody continues bringing it forward, it's like I start feeling guilty, but I also don't have the energy to give back to it. Right. Right. So Lauren, it sounds like maybe the other person wasn't really picking up on these cues that your energy was lower and that 
you are trying to send over to them that you were not interested. And, and I think that's what I hear a lot in session two. On the other side of this is the confusion about, am I actually being ghosted or did this person, you know, did they get in a car accident? Um, do they just respond differently to me? There's, there's so many, I guess, excuses in a way that we can make up for the gradual decline in, conversation or communication. And it feels, it feels hard to decipher if we actually are being ghosted sometimes. What do you guys think about that? I think I try to think of in terms of the conversation, I'm remembering one time that I was not necessarily ghosted, but I had a friend that we used to work together in a certain context and the ending of that working relationship was kind of bumpy, not necessarily between me and him, partly between me and him, but like more just some of the other stuff that surrounded it. And we like got lunch another time after that. And then I reached out to him and I think it was the 4th of July or something. I was like, Hey, happy 4th. Um, I was thinking about you the other day, seeing if you want to get lunch on Monday. And he responded and said like, Hey, thanks. Well, I got plans on Monday. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like that's, the end of that relationship. Like he doesn't, he didn't offer an alternative time. That's kind of the biggest thing for me is like, are they offering up some sort of alternative time or solution? If that's a friendship I've had for 10 years or something and someone that I feel like I have been in communication with and they're just like, oh, sorry, we're busy. We can't come over that night. Mm -hmm. Maybe I would continue to pursue. But that's one of the biggest things I think of is did they offer an alternative solution? I like that. I also think it's the history, like you were just saying, Coulter, is this somebody that I've been in relationship with for many years? And so therefore, maybe it's kind of natural that we have these gaps in conversation and I I don't have to have so much meaning behind that. Or is it somebody that I've met fairly recently and now there's some gaps in conversation? I think there's like a difference in that time limit between interaction that we also can pay attention to based on the proximity or um, length of time that we're in that relationship. I think tagging off of that, like the emotional depth that we've had in the relationship is also relevant. So like I'm thinking of the vignette again, where you said like we originally had been friends because we had some overlapping communities. And then through changing seasons of life, we no longer share those communities anymore. Like that's not something kind of keeping us together. Or I think about sometimes where you have a friendship because you work together and you see each other like every day. And then all of a sudden you stop working together and there's just like a proximity difference. But the depth of emotional connection that we've had also is going to matter a lot for like that story that comes up. Like if I knew somebody, maybe it's been 10 years, but it was in an overlapping community that now we're not part of. And that was really the thing that held us together versus somebody who I've known for 10 years and we've really like walked through grief together or really like walked through some deep life transitions or things like that where there's a little bit more to fall back on if we have big gaps of communication. I think those are usually for me kind of my two main criteria for how much I want to invest in the friendship. One being like, is this person involved in my current season of life through like different communities and stuff? And so, you know, I think about all the relationships I have here at work and how I'm very interested in investing in those relationships. And that's the thing is like, I'd way rather go to lunch with someone else who's on our team right now and kind of just nurture that relationship a little bit more. And the second thing is just like, do we have some history? You know, whether we don't have any of the same communities anymore, but like, have we been through some deep stuff together? And with the season of life I'm in right now, that's all that's going to make the list. Like if we don't really have a deep history, maybe if it was someone I'm like, oh, like we really, 
you know, hit it off and I just really enjoy this person, I might continue to invest in the friendship a little bit more. But if we don't have a deep history or our lives aren't interwoven a little bit right now, I'm, I'm in a season where I'm, I'm probably not going to put a, a ton of energy into those relationships. Mm-hmm. I find myself wanting to give a little bit more, I, I think control is the word I'm going to use. I don't know if that's what I like right now, but back to the person who is being ghosted in that scenario to really define their expectations about, you know, like you're saying, whatever type of relationship we're in, what are my expectations for frequency of communication, right? If we're a brand new dating relationship, what do I expect here? And how do I measure whether this other person that I'm interacting with is able to meet those expectations or not? And then how many times am I going to outreach a person before I decide this is ended? This is not a good fit for me. Um, And the same thing thing on the flip side. If I have a long-term relationship that I'm invested in, what are my expectations there? And, you know, how do I clearly communicate or make a request if my expectations are not being met, right? Rather than being so reliant and and observing on how the other person is responding, I think it's okay to take that ball back in a way and assertively request and then accept if that person is not able to meet those expectations that you're setting. I'm thinking of even kind of zooming out too, like back to the dating arena, right, where we don't have longstanding physical proximity or emotional depth to lean back on. And that's one of the places I probably hear that question come up the most of like, how do I know if I'm being ghosted versus having to look at some of these communication pieces of like, well, what are differences in season of life? And so I'm thinking back, Coulter, to what you had said about that, like really watching for the the reciprocity. Like if I extend an offer and the answer is no, do you make a counter offer? If I reach out and it takes you a day to reach out or a week to reach out, actually in those earlier stages of a relationship, being able to think about how much communication do I want from somebody who I'm seeking relationship with. And so if I know about myself that I really like daily communication with someone who I'm trying to bring in to my more inner circles, I'm thinking, I don't think I named this. I'm thinking of that like boundaries bullseye that we had talked about in the boundaries episode. Um, If I'm looking for new relationships, whether that's friendship or dating, I'm going to have to start on more of the outer rings of the circle. And I'm looking for information that tells me, can I bring this person in closer? Or should I? Or should I bring this person in closer? And so I think that we run a risk if we make too many excuses of like, well, maybe that person's just really busy or like I can empathize with what it's like to be really busy, but maybe they do still want to connect in those really early stages, we really should be looking more at what are my expectations? What am I wanting? And is this person able to meet that and kind of take those cues to know if we should proceed? Mm-hmm. And, and I also think something that gets in the way of that acceptance of, you know, hey, maybe this person isn't a good fit for me here is what does that mean if I have to then remove them from the bullseye, right? I think some of that is the grief of like, man, I was hopeful and excited that this was going to turn into something and it's not. So I have to learn to tolerate that. Or the meaning making may be something that we need to evaluate, right? Am I making meaning about me that this person didn't respond? Um, am, Am I saying like I'm not attractive or I'm not, you know, appealing to this type of person? And is that actually true or not, right? I think those are some of the things that block us from that acceptance of the fact that this isn't a good person that we should be inviting into our inner circle. Mm-hmm. 
a key element of trust too is reliability and consistency. And so that's another thing I'm thinking of paying attention to in those earlier stages is like, is, is this an outlier that somebody took 24 hours or a couple days to respond? Or do they consistently take that long to respond? Because I actually, I'm thinking of like when I first met my partner, my husband and I did meet on a dating app. And there was a day that I just had been really busy and I like didn't open the app that day. And when I originally was on the app, I wasn't like that seriously looking for a relationship. And so he had messaged me something like kind of a deep share and I just hadn't seen it and didn't respond. And so his initial assumption was like, oh, I shared this vulnerable thing. And then um, she didn't like that and just ghosted me. And so he, I think, did wait about 24 hours and then kind of did like one more check back in like, oh, was that not something you wanted to hear? And then I saw that message and I was like, oh, no, I just didn't, I hadn't even seen it. And then I re-engaged and then there were no more gaps like that. Like from that point, that was the only time that there was like a 24-hour gap. Well, and even 24 hours is not It's not that very long. long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because mm-hmm. I was it, interested. It, well, but in today's day and age, like that does feel like a long time. And yeah, 24 hours isn't that long in today's day and age. I'm thinking about what about like 70 years ago when people corresponded via letters and it's like, oh, I send off a letter and like they're going to get it in four days. And then four days later, they're going to send me one. Like what that must have been like. I just am wondering, did people have less anxious attachment styles back then? Because I would have been sitting there like every day, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, am I like ever going to get anything back? What are they going to say? Mm-hmm. Well, that ties in so well to that point from the beginning that it is, it does have a lot to do with the technology and the way that things have changed over time that this idea of ghosting has really surfaced. And I would actually beg to believe that we probably didn't need to ghost as often back then because we had less frequent interactions um, than we do today. So that is that decision fatigue or that just exhaustion that we feel from this constant communication, this instant expectation that we're going to respond. Well, and it's interesting how we have different expectations of people based on how we communicate with them, because I think most people think of texting as like, this person should get back to me within that same day, like a few hours. But if you email somebody, you don't expect them to get back to you quite as quickly. It's a little more kosher to let an email sit for a little bit longer, but they both came to the same device. Like everyone is seeing them, you know, at the same speed. But if I get a text, I feel I have to respond a little bit quicker. If it's an email, I don't have to respond as quickly. And I think different people have different capacities for that too. Like I hear from a lot of clients or even friends where I know they don't prefer a certain form of communication. Like I have certain friends who have just shared what it's like to be me is like, I hate texting and I am really bad at remembering to reply. Like I'll see it in the midst of something busy and I forget. And so just like know that about me. So I think that's another piece too, to to know about ourselves and kind of learn about others is like, what are the reasonable expectations based off of how different people respond to communication. You're reminding me of my own fault right now, which is getting these 
damn TikTok videos or I don't even know what the other word is for them. I always sound like I'm an 80-year-old person when I'm referring you do, you to do. these. Yeah. <laughs> these damn TikTok videos. <laughs> these TikTokers. Oh my God, Real was battle. the word I was looking for in my brain, but I don't have time to watch that. Like I don't have time to sit on my phone and watch these when they come up. Like truly. <laughs> and so I just ghost them constantly. So all to all of my friends out there, I almost never watch anything that they send and I barely ever respond back. I am constantly ghosting them because I, I can't stand it. It's so much energy <laughs> for me. I saw this one on Instagram and it was this like 20 year old guy responding to his friend and he was like, bro, okay, like you just sent me four reels in a row and it's like, I, I watched them all because like, I respect you, but like, don't ever do that again. <laughs> just like, that's, that's, that's insane. Like, don't, you so angry. You sent that to me. <laughs> did I send that to you? Yeah. I was like, I feel like I sent that to one of you. Uh, you should have sent it to me because that is literally my life. But you like, wouldn't have watched it. So. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have watched it, nor would I have commented. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I just want to say, you made me read a book a month ago. <laughs> I love reading. <laughs> yeah, but that took me like eight hours. <laughs> but again, it goes- most, most reels are like 60 seconds. So if I send you one, it's like, hey, check this out. But you were like, we're reading this book. Yeah. And then I had to read it. We're reading it, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but that is the, the thing that ties back into the values, right? We're all different and we have different preferences and we need to make those more clear and assertive rather than just choosing not to watch or listen to things. Thanks, Kayla. <laughs> so the other thing that I'm thinking of when we're reading cues in the beginning stages of getting to know somebody and just kind of thinking of this idea we're talking about around like expectations, different people are going to respond in different lengths of time and different mediums of communication. They're going to have like preferences around. So as we're getting to know somebody's preferences, I do think that we need to have some tolerance in the beginning of those differences and of really just kind of being in a, I think of it as like a data observation kind of a mode for a while before jumping all the way into like, I have full on expectations that because I've liked one conversation that we have, that now we should be communicating constantly. And one of the stories I think back to when I was in the online dating arena is I remember starting to talk to somebody and it was like within the first I don't know, like the first 30 minutes maybe of communication back and forth, I remember him being like, I just really hate being ghosted. So can you please promise that you won't ever ghost me? Like, it's fine if you don't want to keep talking to me, but like, please don't ever ghost me. That's just like the worst thing when people ghost me. And immediately I felt myself just like wanting to withdraw. Yeah, and that feels like, a little desperate. <clears throat> it does. Yeah. There's something about like, Hi, like I, I really want friends. I really want connection. I really want to be connected to you, but promise me that you're not going to shrink away. Like promise me that you're not going to disappear. Promise me that you're not going to like cause some kind of discomfort for me. And I, I think that always stuck out to me because I felt it instantly when I saw that message come through. Like, okay, friend, I will not ghost you, but I also will not keep having this connection because there's something that doesn't feel good to me about knowing that you can't tolerate this like data observation phase of building connection. Yeah. And that's, again, an example of like this, I can't tolerate the meaning making, right? So if whatever, if this person ghosts me, I can't tolerate what I maybe am going to make stories up about what that means about me or about my ability to do relationship. And, and you're right, Lauren, it is 
this need to be able to tolerate that and also see the reality in these situations that everybody has autonomy and free will and they get to make their own decisions about what's good and not good for them. And if they ghost you, then in a way that really is just information, right? That's information that, hey, this person is maybe isn't going to be able to meet my needs and therefore I need to make a decision about this rather than trying to control them and keep them so close to me and don't do this to me, right? It's being able to take your own autonomy back there in your ability to make a decision about what's good for you and what isn't. Mm-hmm. Totally. Okay. So I feel like we've hit on a number of kind of tangible or concrete things that we can do either when we're feeling ourselves moving towards ghosting as a strategy or when we're trying to figure out if we've been ghosted. But I want to have us just all kind of like circle back and organize a little bit more clearly some of these things. So um, just kind of based off where we were chatting, the first one that I really want to concretely highlight is the self-awareness piece of in whatever connection I'm in, whatever ring of my boundary bullseye this connection is, can I really know myself? What are my expectations here? What are the things that I'm really wanting and needing from this connection? And thinking about it in that data observation mode of like, what's the data that I'm observing that's going to let me know if I'm able to get my needs met here versus kind of losing ourselves in like trying to make up stories or potential justifications or excuses of like, well, maybe the other person really does care, but here's what's going on. Or maybe they just hate me because I must suck. Really just bringing it back to our own sense of what do I need? What do I expect? And is what I'm seeing giving me information about that? Mm, That's a really good point. It kind of changes how I was going to give my summary. I was thinking of the reading cues and I like what you said of like bringing it back to ourselves. Maybe just another piece to add on to it is I think of Occam's razor, which is the simplest answer is usually the answer. And so it's like, I haven't heard from this person for a week. Did their phone fall into a river and they haven't made it to Verizon yet? It's like, no, probably not. Like that's, that's a very complicated answer. Like the simplest answer is usually the answer. And the simplest answer in that scenario is like, this person is not interested in me. Or even to use your example of like, this person's not interested in communicating the way that I want to. I think that yours is like a little bit more of an individuated (laughs) response to it. But I just think of the like, the simplest answer is usually the answer in that regard. Yeah. And I'm even just going to tag on what you had said earlier about paying attention to not only like how long is it taking somebody to respond, but if I do a reach out, if I put the request out there and I get just a straight no without an alternative option, like we need to take that data as information that somebody's not investing back in this time. Right. And at that stage of getting that data, then we are sitting with what that feels like and how our mind is interpreting that. And we're working on the tolerance piece there that we can we can handle those feelings. And if we feel like we can't, then maybe we need to seek support from a friend or we might need to bring that into a therapist to try to learn how to tolerate those feelings differently. Right. And then on the other side of this, we have what if I'm realizing that this person that I'm in communication with isn't somebody that I want to continue to be in communication with or relationship with? What can I do instead of ghosting? Right? How do I directly communicate that? And the first thing that comes to my mind in that piece is 
how do I have like a short um, response that just reflects what I'm feeling or what I need rather than putting it back on the other person? Hey, this isn't working out for me. I wish you the best and your endeavors going forward. And at that point, I had said, I hit the block button because this is not, I'm, I'm not really interested in what that person has to give back to me. I'm just doing them a service of saying, hey, I'm cutting this relationship. Mm-hmm. So I'm hearing you say, Kayla, like have some scripts ready yes. to be right. able to communicate more directly, to practice saying, no, thank you, or I need a boundary here. You're great. I'm not interested in pursuing this any further. Like have some scripts ready. Use it as a practice when you otherwise feel yourself wanting to ghost. But don't say best of luck in your future endeavors unless it is a business email. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> I, d- I actually did always wish people good luck, right? Good luck out there. Yeah. Hey, good luck. Um, you'll get them, kid. Yeah. <laughs> it, ain't th- it ain't this one today, bud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you guys would add? I think just for the sake of repetition, I'm going to kind of summarize one more time, right? So if you're listening for the takeaways here, when it comes to ghosting, regardless of kind of which side we're on of that, we want to really be paying attention to what are my own expectations? What do I want out of a certain connection? And based on that, can I be observing the data? What is the data showing me as far as lining up with the things that I'm expecting and wanting right now in this season of my life? Can I be reading that data, the cues that I get from other people, and specifically if a long amount of time is going by, right, more than 24 hours, more than a couple days, especially if we're hitting like a week, Occam's razor, the simplest answer is probably the response that we can take in, as well as if I do put a request out there and somebody responds, but they're not giving me alternatives, they're not uh, reciprocating, or if I'm the person initiating every single time and I'm never getting that initiation and response, we need to be taking that as a sign that somebody's not as invested as we are, and then having some scripts that we can use to be practicing assertive boundaries and assertive communication um, if we're not interested in pursuing that connection with somebody. Like, what can I be prepared to say instead of just ghosting? And then practicing our own tolerance. If I am ghosted, if I am getting that sign that somebody's not continuing to invest as much as I was hoping that they were, who can I reach out to for support? Maybe that's, you know, touching base with a friend to be able to just express that disappointment. Or if I notice a lot of anxiety and distress coming up, maybe connecting with a therapist to look at why is that so hard for my system to tolerate. If you're wanting some more scripts, I have gone to ChatGPT for this before. I'm thinking of like if someone came or emailed me and said like, hey, we want to come network at Thrive. And I was like, this just really isn't a good partnership. I've just gone to ChatGPT kind of like pasted their email and said, like, I don't want to meet with this person. What do I say? Don't just copy and paste the answer that ChatGPT gives you because it's going to look like AI wrote it for you. So take it and let it kind of influence how you respond to them. And I just want to also say that the way that you're talking about this makes me feel like a lot more empowered to show up in relationships and a lot more confident You know, I'm almost thinking of it when we do job interviews with people, it's like, hey, they're interviewing us too. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking like, is this what I want? Is this what I want? So that's just a much more empowering stance for me. Yeah, I think that's good. I just want to say that I was able to go this entire podcast without saying ghosting. Because that's how I wanted to say it like five different times. But I decided to save it for the sign-off. 
So join us next week as we are going to be doing a two-part series on the difference between being a withdrawer and being a pursuer in the relationship. And this is really a must listen for anybody that has ever been in couples therapy before, is even in a relationship or wanting to pursue a relationship in some way. I don't really know how you navigate having successful relationships without having this information. And if you're thinking, well, I have a successful relationship, maybe you do. Maybe you kind of already know this, but you've just used some different language around it before. And this is a way to kind of organize some of the dynamic that you probably bring into your partnership. And if you've ever seen an EFT therapist or if you're an EFT therapist listening, please send this out to your clients. Hopefully we'll help them in that EFT journey. So we're going to kick off that series by talking about withdrawers first, and then we'll talk about pursuers the week after that. A lot of times people can think that withdrawers don't really want the same level of connection that a pursuer does, but that's really not true. They are just using a different method to try to get it.